Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to Inside Out episode number 60. I am so wrapped to have you guys back here and I have had so much going on the last month. Um, I apologize that I have been a little MIA, but I am back in the podcast seat and I am ready to get this next season or bunch of episodes out to you guys. I'm really, really excited for you to hear these conversations. Um, Today I'm sharing with you one of my favorite conversations to date and I know that this one's going to make a massive difference in a lot of women's lives. Naomi Hutchins has been working in the world of sexuality since 2004. She is a clinical sexologist. She believes everyone has a right to learn how they can experience joys of a healthy and fulfilling sexuality. This is key to building connection and intimacy in our relationships. In today's episode, we unpack sexual shame, how you can become sexually empowered, supporting loved ones to step into their sexuality, what are sex expectations, how we can find our sexual power in our season of postpartum, the power of communication, reinventing your sex life, and so much more. Just a warning for anyone listening, um, this might not be one for little ears or to listen to with your mother or your mother-in-law. So mum and my mother-in-law, please don't continue listening to this episode (laughs) and definitely not one for little ears. So make sure that you've got your headphones in um, and that you don't listen in the car when little ears are present. So if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be absolutely so amazing if you guys can please take a moment to share to your instagram or facebook or simply send it to a friend this really supports me to support more women who need to hear conversations just like this one i hope that you enjoy today's episode and i look forward to hearing all of your feedback let's dive in Naomi, thank you so, so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am absolutely wrapped to have you here. You have been on my list for a little while now, so I'm stoked that you have the time and yeah, created some space to come on the show today. Thanks for inviting me. (laughs) So getting stuck into today, before we get into the deep and the fun stuff, Mm -hmm. can you share a little more about you and just what your life looks like right now? So um, I'm currently living in Brisbane, so that I just hit my four-year mark. I'm actually from Adelaide, and so I didn't move here till after I turned, like after my 40s, when I turned 40. Um, I do work four days a week, but at the moment, ever since I got puppies, which my fiance and I got two puppies about two months ago, which has been um, a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, well, I was going in four days a week. So in Paddington in um, Brisbane there, I rented a space, but I've now gone fully online, which I was already online way before COVID anyway, but I'm now doing like two days at home office and then two days um, where I can either do face-to-face or, or um, online. So uh, mm-hmm. at the moment, mm-hmm. our whole life is just trying to deal with toilet training and we live in a house um, 
on stilts and you know Queenslander and not fun (laughs) yeah it's a bit full on (laughs) oh my gosh that sounds so busy and two like two at the same age yeah everybody's yeah everybody says that and I know it is it's like double everything and they're both different personalities and then some one of them's got a bigger bladder than the other you know like it's ridiculous but it's full Mm. on and exhausting and has flipped our world upside down but they do are each other's pals but um also fight which is very common when you get couple of puppies from the same litter that because they're very comfortable with each other you know sibling stuff yeah literally that's I feel like that's all we do because obviously you can't travel anymore really Mm. um and we were supposed to get married and have had to postpone twice and now we've just pushed it again so the third third time lucky maybe next year yeah I love (laughs) that the I guess the only positive in that is that there are so many people in the same boat Mm -hmm. not one person and one situation there is just everyone as a collective is you know doing it together yeah. so it's yeah I'm so sorry that's all oh, yeah it's a bit it took me such a long time to decide that I would actually get married and obviously I'm um you know I'm now gay I you know back in the day that wasn't an issue either I wasn't sure about marriage but it would have been legal but it wasn't when I um came out so it's only just become legal but um you know also I think um I've got my partner's South African and I'm from South Australia so I just we just kept saying there's no point putting everyone through stress because everyone's just on the edge waiting to find out do we is it changing again and it happens so quickly and we're getting married in Byron Bay and so I was just like no let's forget it so we pushed it way way so we're like over another year away and hope something will change and we won't have to worry about postponing again absolutely and that's a little wild wait so and that gives you something to look forward to as well yeah yeah and save more money right because they're ridiculously expensive yeah (laughs) my wedding it was such a hype for so long and then got to the night and then it was done I'm like oh what do I do now yes nothing to look forward to (laughs) I know I think my clients tell me that all the time they it's such a big big thing and then they're all exhausted or they're just like oh what is it now yeah yeah Yeah. I totally get it yeah yeah so just diving into your work let's chat you are a clinical sexologist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can you share a little more in depth and let's explore that what is a sexologist so really it's just it's just you know you've heard the term anthropologist you know it, it really it just means that someone studied human sexuality at a university level so mm. I went to university and studied um, I mean I've been in the field for like 17 something years but my master's I got about a decade ago I think now mm. um, yeah so in Australia there's two two places you can study and I studied at University of New South Wales then because they allowed me to do most of it correspondence and I only had to do my sex counselling prac over there and stay there but back in the day Curtin University offers one as well and now they do do it external but back back in the day when it all first happened I couldn't do it then so they were my two options in Australia I mean so yeah it just means that and and usually people will either be doing education research or clinical just meaning face-to-face or counseling and all of that kind of stuff so um, I've done mostly education and all the face-to-face you know I have clients I see them all the time that's pretty much what I do all the time now other than I do triple j sometimes on Sunday nights where people do Q&A and lots of podcasts and commentary in, in, in magazines and things like that but pretty much the core of my work now is seeing clients mm. so do you see primarily couples or do you just see individuals yeah, yeah. look look I, I couldn't really sort of break it up but I feel like yeah it might even be half half mm. and I mostly see mostly I was thinking about this the other day I, I don't know off the top of my head the exact numbers but mostly probably 90 
or 80% of my clients are identified as heterosexual couples usually. And that's all ages though. Like I think I often say this and people freak out, but my oldest clients back in Adelaide, this was where um, he was nearly turning 90 and she was like 87 oh. or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that is, yeah. <laughs> age gap too and like their traditions and their conditioned beliefs. Totally. So, with, like, they were amazing. They sent me this beautiful card after in, the, in gorgeous writing, which I knew. I just had a feeling it was them because I had that gorgeous writing like my grandma, beautiful cursive that, you know. But, um, yeah, they were my older. So I see people of all ages, yeah. So, yeah, look, it's so interesting for me because I am someone who, look, I haven't experienced any sexual trauma and things like that, but I am still, I feel like I've got these limiting beliefs surrounding sex, pleasure, mm. all the things. Um, mm. And I'm breaking that down and trying to unpack that now as an adult. And I'm, awesome. I am married and I'm in a really healthy relationship with my husband. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we do talk and communicate really well about all these sorts of things that come up for me. Postpartum in particular has changed yeah. a lot physically yes. and emotionally. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. a massive disconnect um, with my, what I felt, what I feel like my connection was with sex prior to having babies as mm-hmm. to now because mm-hmm. a baby comes out of there and you're yeah. like, and somehow you've got to just lose that and be all like sex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it in me. It's tough. I, yeah, it's um. I put a sticker box actually out on Instagram, and that was the like inundated with messages yeah. saying postpartum sex. Let's yep. talk about that. Totally, that's pretty much. I get a lot of people. Um, you know, funnily enough, even people who have not birthed babies, but babies have come into their life in other ways, oh, who wow. still the impact of bringing a child or a baby into their family. Well. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Look, and I can imagine that because of maternal instincts as well. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, the nurture co- sort yep. of. Yep. Yeah. And they take a lot of your attention. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're like such a priority. And as for me, as a mum, I often feel like I'm unable to disconnect from my child when yes. my child is with my husband. I can't have totally. both. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's all mm-hmm. pretty common stuff, the issues that yeah. I experience. Yes, for sure. But to talk about something that I've seen that you shared on Instagram recently, mm-hmm. um, sexpectations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A powerful word when you think about it. Yes. So what are they? How can we unlearn these learnings, I suppose? We've all been conditioned to feel these certain things surrounding sex and pleasure. So can you talk a little bit about that? So really it's just a word that I, you know, I use a lot around that I think most of us, we hold on to these what are, I think are really unrealistic expectations about sex, relationships, I mean, also, I can talk about gender and all sorts of things, but that, but there's a good chance that when you hold on to those, you're not going to feel good about what you're doing um, or not be able to live up to them, okay, and then still feel bad. So I think um, I don't think we do this enough that we actually critique where we get these messages about anything, about gender, relationships, you know, um, sexuality, uh, arousal, all of this stuff. I think we just take it as fact. And I try to say to people, like I often do, I'm like, you know, where did you learn that? Who told you that? Where did we get that? And who says that that's not okay? And often it's kind of, they're like, well, and then we unpack that. And, mm. and I think it's important to get really curious about, um, you know, the, this belief and acknowledging that, you know, they're probably most of these thoughts and beliefs are actually more harmful than they are helpful to us. So if we identify that, I ask people to, you know, is this, is this harmful, this thought, or is it helping you have um, a good sexual experience or 
if it's about something else like sexual identity or whatever. Um, and I ask them if they can think of something else that might be a helpful belief to hold on to and throw that one, let go of that one and then bring in something else that you can say, you know, it's okay. It's okay to be a mother and also experience pleasure and let go and have fun and be someone else in the sexual space, That things like that. Mm, mm, so interesting to me. I grew up in, I went to a Catholic school and I wasn't really like, I wasn't slut shamed or anything like that. I don't think. Um, but I grew up where it was, I was quite naive and no one talked about it and Mm -hmm. it was a taboo topic. And then we went into high school and I went to, you know, a bigger Catholic school and then all the boys knew all this stuff and I knew nothing. And me and my best friend Mm. were kind of working out as we went along and we knew we had no information. And when I think about how I learn about sex, I put this actually, actually, I put this question out on um, Instagram this week. How did Mm. you learn about sex? Was it porn? Was it your parents? Was it Mm. school? I learned from none of those things. I just picked it up as I went along from people and what they told me. And when I got to an age of, you know, 15, 16, um, I had my first sexual partner at 16 and then um, something happened around that time where I had a second second sexual partner and he was a lot older. Mm. And the events that took place now as an adult, I can reflect and go, whoa, that was handled so inappropriately by adults in my life. Mm. So I was sent away to my dad's to be with my dad for two weeks. I was grounded. I was banned from everything, banned, you know, (laughs) basically said that was wrong. You did yeah, that's you can't do that. You don't have that choice. You're six and a half. Like Nelly said, it was just before I was 17. Mm. Um, and that set me up for yes. the rest of my, oh. I guess, relationship with myself sexually. Yes. And it's wrong. It's taboo. I shouldn't do it. Now, that was such a small, small experience for me in comparison to a lot of how I suppose other women experience. No, I mean, I, I mean, I feel like don't even worry. You know, what do they say? Comparison is the thief of happiness or whoever says that. But also don't, I feel like don't, you know, make your experience small. Just, yeah, we know everyone's having different experiences, but that has totally impacted on you. I think we can't, you know, that that's just makes you feel shame, right? We're not, yeah. we're not born with shame. We're taught shame. And then what that does is, you know, instead of having, a, you know, that opportunity for someone to have a conversation with you about how was that experience? Are you okay? And it's funny that people think that at 16, like at one point you can get your license. So you can drive a car, but you're not allowed to say, I like this pleasure. I want to do this with my body. Like it's such a bizarre concept um, that people do that. Like the police, what you can, what you can do and where that, you know, like even in this country, there's still some states where it's 16 is the legal age to be able to be sexual. And again, what does that even mean? Of course, they've got rules around what you're doing. Usually they're referring to P in the V, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but either 16 or 17, it's just such a strange thing. And of course, no one's going to sit there and start lobbying about changing it because they would think it's not important. But I, I kind of wonder why we don't do that. We're like, oh, that's okay. That's okay that we can say it's legal for someone to wait until they're 17. And I'm sure all of us know that many people could have a lovely experience younger than that. Yeah. And, you know, considering everyone in my group and pretty much my whole year had part boyfriends. So they, yes. already, you know, were years ahead of me. And mm-hmm. because I didn't have a boyfriend in high school, it was, mm-hmm. it was shamed. It was wrong. Yeah. It was yeah. Trouble. And I just, as um, I'm a stepmom of two young girls and I've got my a daughter myself and mm-hmm. even my son too. So I want to have this conversation with yeah. them. They grow. Yes. If they choose to explore that at an age where I feel like it might be too early, that's not my choice to put that on them. They've no, and if they're coming with it to you for questions that, it's about helping them with answers. They're getting curious, right? Right. And if they come to me and say they've done it, what can I do about that? I can't get, like, can't be in trouble. I've, no. Done- it's like, and how was that for you? Okay. You know, this is the stuff. Check in with that. And I know I say this to people. I used to do heaps of parenting classes, but it's that thing of trying to, 
let go. We all have work on ourselves to do because of the crap that we've been taught, right? So then it gets really challenging when you're parenting, um, looking after children, you know, and it's about trying not to put that on them, right? Unparenting ourselves and sort of breaking that um, cycle so that you can have another conversation around, you know, and, and you know, you I know lots of people who are really, really super sex positive with their kids and their kids still go somewhere else and chat to someone else. I mean, that's a thing, right? Sometimes kids find their favourite auntie or whatever, but as long as you've got those lines of communication open and, and not to shame people, even if on the inside you're thinking, oh, my God, what the fuck, right? You've got to sit there like, what's going on? Talk to me. How was that? You know, imagine that conversation instead of, you know, oh, what happened to you, right? And you're, it's a very common story, mm. grounding, you know, or just shame, just shamed for doing that, telling you off, you know, things like that. that. You know, those conversations that I had back then, because I didn't know, I suppose, what we know now about self-pleasure and, and relationships mm. and connection, mm. and that there is more than just the intimacy of physical penetration that can yes. be enjoyable in pleasure. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't have this, this story and this understanding then. So to have all of the adults in my life, which was not just my parents, it was my aunties and uncles that got mm. it well. Or, you know, saying how shameful this is and how wrong this is, it was kind mm. of like I didn't explore that any further. So I was too scared to go inward on that and understand yes. more what I wanted and what my needs were. Um, so it's certainly important to me, I guess, to raise my yeah. Absolutely. We can change that, right? It's about trying to change the cycle and hope that their experiences are better than the ones that we had. Yeah, absolutely. Look, mm. I mentioned just before, postpartum, um, having a healthy sex life after a baby is so huge for so many relationships. Mm. So I want to explore that a little more with you. How can we support not only ourselves, but support our partners when we're just not really feeling the same, <laughs> you know? Again, I think this is where it's really important first off to just be realistic, okay, like in, in a practical sense of the word as well, you know, and just that sometimes it's literally timing stuff, you know, if you've got children and perhaps you're sharing, you know, some of my um, clients are doing attachment parenting, all sorts of things, or just they're in a house where, um, you know, there's children close by or other family members, uh, but also that, you know, having conversations with the person who hasn't perhaps birthed the baby um, or just isn't doing breastfeeding, if, if anyone in the, is doing breastfeeding, you know, all these stuff kind of really um, keeping the lines of um, communication open around how, how some of, well, a lot of people, I will say I've got some people who say they do feel like more sex after they've had a um, um, baby because the experience just feels so amazing and they feel pretty good. So that does happen. And I want to just say that out loud that I know that some people do find that. But many people, the most common story I hear is that it's really, you know, thrown them. Okay. They've had a shift. They've either feel like their libido is just gone or their desire. And to be honest, I think we, we often... Um, yeah, I don't know, look at it as a negative experience instead of just going, it is what it is. And this is what's going on right now. You know, your body's um, done something pretty big. Or as I said, even if you haven't birthed the baby, but you've got a baby in the house, that it shifts everything. Mm, it certainly does. It's so different now, especially for me. I, I know that, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love being intimate and making time for my, my husband when we can and things like that. But it's so hard to switch off. And if it's yeah. not 
rush, you know, like the babies mm-hmm. are quick, let's go. You know, that's not enjoyable for a woman. For a yeah. Woman, switch on and off really quickly. Yeah. If you're a person who's spontaneously aroused and can do that and sort of switch, mm-hmm. switch on into that space, that might be great. And look, some people that works for them very quickly. But for many people, usually people with vaginas are often needing way more time, way, way, way more time to even get in the headspace. And so time can be precious, right? When you've got, you're on, you're almost on the clock. You're like, wait, when, when's the baby going to wake up? Who's going to do this? Who needs this? You know, all of that kind of stuff. So I think it's important to, I, you know, even just sort of saying it to each other. There's, you know, two of you in the house saying, you know, hey, I really, really miss you. This is crazy, isn't it? You know, that kind of stuff. Just saying, wow, our world's just turned upside down. Sort of acknowledging it and sort of, you know, reaching towards each other, even if you know that sex is going to, maybe not going to happen. Mm, I like that. That's def- just keeping that open line of communication between you and your partner and something so simple like I miss you can be so powerful. Absolutely. That's like that whole thing of just acknowledging each other, just saying, oh, honey, I love you or whatever, however you talk to each other, but just sort of saying, you know, I do miss you and I can't wait till things calm down a little or, you know, we're going to have to work out a way at some point to prioritise some time. But but also being really kind on yourself, knowing that, you know, often on top of this, people are working, people are doing house renos, you know, all this other stuff. And it, and it makes sense that it's very hard to do that. Mm. Mm. Do you have any tips on how we can reinvent our sex lives after kids? <laughs> yeah, look, I feel like, again, it's this thing of, because everybody's different, right? So I can sit here and reel off these things about you might want to do this, you might want to do that. First off, I think you, you know, are you even in, have you got that kind of relationship where you can? Because I speak to many people who've never really talked about what they want, because to be honest, if you do that, you really need to feel safe. Now, I mean, like, emotionally and you know because it's a vulnerable thing to really say what you desire um a lot of people find that really really tough i i do feel like sometimes um folks with vaginas women who will say that they've never been able to do that because no one's asked them and you know they're often doing the stuff that a lot of people do because of gender um crap that makes you a people pleaser you know things like that so i think having those lines of communication open is is important to be able to say are you really saying what you want and what you need about um, to help that sexual experience because, yeah, you might need to do things different. Your time's going to be different. This is why sometimes people do do the um, going away and things like that. But, you know, most of us don't have earn enough money to be able to do that all the time or they don't want to leave their kids. Um, so I suppose it's all about I've got a lot of people, especially here living in Brisbane, who don't have any family mm. and they're not, re- they're not ready to leave their babies with maybe babysitters they haven't met before and things like that. So there's a whole bunch of things there. And I think also there's a lot of pressure on date night. I say, you know, do date anything, but also not to think that date night is actually about having sex like the goal at the end is to have sex because often then people will just be super stressed during that Mm. um and uh, I often talk about that being part of just your ritual of remembering the two of you are still together um you're still a couple and it it doesn't always have to end up in sex Mm. I like that see when we have date night I feel like we get too excited and both drink too much and then we're yeah. doing this and we get home yes. and go to sleep and it's like we wake up like, fuck, we wasted it. Shit. But yeah, like, and I, gee, I don't know if you saw my post. I was, you just swore so I'm okay. I'm a bit of a swearer. But, I, you know, that thing of, you know, fuck first, eat later. It <laughs> makes no sense to me, right? It makes no sense to me that people just fill up and you're right, lots of people drink, makes them tired and, and, and you're, you know, people might have tummy problems and all sorts of things. And it's like the last thing they want to do. So I talk about do date night or date day or whatever, but make that about just having fun and reconnecting and bringing that stuff back in and then perhaps 
putting sex somewhere else. Yeah, putting it first. I like that. That's yeah. a definite takeaway for this episode. <laughs> but okay. first eat later. Yeah. <laughs> well, we yeah, do that. Eat. When we go out for a nice meal, we don't want to sit there with a little time. Nah. We're like, let's order everything. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Oh that Enjoy is the food. How has no one told me this before? <laughs> I know. I, this is what I'm talking about, the unrealistic expectations. They're just, I, people think they're a given. When I say to people, why are you having sex at night? That seems like the worst time in your life to be in, your, in the way that you're living. You get up at 4 a.m., you know, you're ready for bed at 8 o'clock. Why are you trying to have sex? I think there was something else in the post, like, you know, you go to bed and you're so tired in your lovely comfy bed. You just want to sleep, not do something that's going to cause you to stress out because you need doing some physical activity. Totally get that. Oh my God. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head there for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I want to digress a little bit. I'm um, talking about body image and talk like being self-conscious and things. I know that some women are really self-conscious in the bedroom in terms of letting their partner do their thing and being able to totally relax. And then, you know, they can be really comfortable with their own self-pleasure. Mm. How can we break down these barriers and just get more comfortable in our own bodies? Even in self-pleasure, I think there's, you know, a lot of women would feel almost un- uncomfortable in their skin still yeah, like yeah. can't fully get into it or be even be naked on a bed and yep. self-pleasure it's not something that I could ever do I wouldn't even yep. think about it you know what I mean uh, and I yeah, don't yeah. and I think that there are so many barriers to unpack there so how mm. can you well, I mean I think you, yeah you, you made a good point right there that's it I often say to people what's really what does uncomfortable mean what's under that and so for some people it could be literally they'll say things to me like well I think I smell I think I think my bulb smells so we'll sit there and go through a whole bunch of different things about where they got that idea you know, or I'll use that one as an example, right? So yep. sometimes people will say that. So then I'll say to them, okay, do you, have you ever thought about walking down? When you walk into a supermarket, have you ever seen a, a row of um, special products that are for penises that might help them smell nice? And they'll usually say no, because still I have not seen them either. And <laughs> then they'll start to realize, oh yeah, you go to the shops and there's all these, you know, these, what do they call it? Intimate wipes and just all these different things to make apparently a vulva smell. And yeah. I think even there, there's just these messages that's, that, that the vulva, there's something wrong with the vulva. So if we then think about folks who maybe a way that they might be able to be pleasured is to have someone's mouth on them or something, but then they can't because they think they smell, you know. So there's all this stuff that I sit there working through and unpacking where they get those messages. And so some people say, oh, I take too long. If, you know, I like it, but I take too long. So then I go back up into my head and I'm panicking that I'm taking too long to have an orgasm. And often if their partner's there or their lover's there, I'll be like, oh, what, what's that like for you? And they're like, I love it. Are you kidding me? This is this is fine. It's not taking too long. So it's just this thing of unpacking what's going on. Mm. And so just that was one example. But obviously there's many. Some people also, particularly after they've birthed a baby, um, vaginally worry about what their vulva looks like after. So I spend a lot of time working with people to look at their vulva again and get comfortable with it. And sometimes it's only two minutes. And then next time I see them, we'll push it out a bit longer. And um, things like the vulva gallery on Instagram and the labia library, which is a really good website where people have uploaded images of vulvas. And I think it can be really helpful just to look at all the different shapes and sizes and colors because we don't see enough of that. And that can be just helpful to feel comfortable about your body, seeing the diversity of that, because we see a lot of penises more so because they're hanging obviously a little bit more obvious, but also, you know, there's the whole thing about penises Mm. being everywhere and things like that. So you're often more likely to see a bunch of penises than you are 
vulvas. So I think that could be a really good activity to help people feeling comfortable. And often people say, oh, I feel like I'm, I'm absolutely mutilated. There's something wrong with me down there. And obviously we work up to them taking a look and getting comfortable. And usually it's a lot better than they thought. Mm, it just um, made me think about that image that you put up on expectations and, you know, what nobody's talking about when you have sex with someone and it's like pimples on your bum and like pubic totally, hairs and totally. condoms on and doing all these like mm-hmm. awkwardness when the pants get caught and like Absolutely. That in the movies and that's what we've all seen and that's what we've all been conditioned to believe yes. doesn't exist. So when it's happening, it's like a disconnection too. Yes. When you're yes. intimate, like on an emotional level, you're like, oh, this is like, Oh, yeah, I've got a pimple on my bum. Oh, gosh. You know, it's that whole thing of, again, unrealistic expectations and you just generally will not see any depictions. Um, even if you're watching, like, say, maybe mainstream porn, you're you're not going to see, you know, um, the realities, right, because obviously they're people having sex but you're not seeing all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes and usually they're picked, particularly if you're watching that kind of porn. There's not a lot of diversity. So, and just in movies or anything like that, you won't see this stuff around. It's very common to bump teeth and fart and, you know, like noises and need a break and all of those things. Yeah, yeah, I like that that's that's on online, especially, you know, in a and a platform where we're inundated with fake realities it's mm-hmm. to see something that's so real and so truthful in in terms of sexual health as well I think it's important yeah to see mm-hmm. now you just touched on a few times the term vulva and I'd love to know can you explain what yeah. is the difference between vulva and a vagina yeah so the vagina is actually it's funny I mean most of us if you ask what did you get taught they'll say that and I think a lot of people forget and they still teach that you know like, that's a penis and that's a vagina when actually you literally cannot see the vagina because the vagina is just inside the body mm-hmm. um, basically it's just this like tube okay and most of the time the walls are touching and I often say to people think of it like an accordion it's stretchy and flexible you can pop a tampon in there if you might be bleeding and that will hold that there but then it can also stretch to let a baby out if you have a baby vaginally um, and also letting other things in there too. Uh, but the vulva is just the, the term for everything on the outside the part you know things like labia and the clitoris so really when you say that it's like yeah you might have a vagina but what you can see is the vulva so I often say to parents when I'm doing you know parent classes that you that's the penis and and this is the vulva the vagina is inside your body Mm. and another question I've got is why can own why can some women only orgasm from not penetration Uh, oh actually to be honest it's it's the most common so I don't know but they always throw out this statistic around 70 30 meaning 70% of people with the vagina usually will have their orgasm without penetration. But I actually feel like it's probably more up to 80 when I'm sitting there thinking about all my clients. So it's actually more common to have your orgasm without the penetration. And if you think about the internal structure of the clitoris and how that is, it makes perfect sense. It's just that we're once again being taught by people to say this is it, okay? And usually that came right back from people writing this stuff who had penises. So it's almost there was like, you know, people saying people are immature if they can't have an orgasm through that way. When it actually makes, if you look at it, the the structure of the clitoris, because you only, it's like the tip of the iceberg. What you see is only a little bit, right? You see that a bit of the clitoris and the rest is inside. It makes far more sense to get your pleasure that way. And also we know that that people or your orgasms, I mean, um, people can orgasm without even touching their their vulvas and stuff like that. But yeah, that's why it's actually, and so I do, I have a lot of people coming in, just literally their goal is to have an orgasm with the penis inside them. And I've got to kind of work with them to let go of some of this stuff to say that actually that's not the most common way. So instead of just 
Instead of saying, I've had this kind of orgasm and this kind of orgasm, why don't we just say an orgasm is an orgasm is an orgasm, okay? Yeah. However you're having it. Yeah, it's totally. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. My goodness. That's, you know, so important that, that this message is just spread and just everyone just be more open with their sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, you know, when I re- re- reflect back on school and um, my relationships and my friendships, who were having sexual partners, they were all saying that they were doing it and they were orgasming from penetration. Yeah. And I remember thinking, how? Mm-hmm. How though? How are you, mm-hmm. how are you doing mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. interesting to know that the statistic, I can't speak today, is actually higher yeah. than the other way. <laughs> yeah. And it's like that. that's why for a lot of people they need to make sure that even if they are having some penetration, and I get it, for some people it's a very like psychological thing and it feels lovely if they've got a person with someone with a penis or something inside them, but also to make sure they're still able to touch the, especially the, the glands, the head of the clitoris out there where there's lots of more nerve endings. So I say to people, it's actually normal that you'll need to be doing that at the same time. You just generally don't see it because I think, again, there's this historically this thing of women not being able to, you know, take charge of their own pleasure. So my goodness, how dare someone be touching their clitoris while someone's penetrating them kind of thing so you know we're getting much better at talking about it but you wouldn't have seen a lot of images like that I had it 40 percent of women on my Instagram say that they don't self-pleasure and when I asked Mm -hmm. again why that is the reasons were uh they're all a little bit different but primarily it was being uncomfortable in their own skin uncomfortable um they aren't educated about it how Mm -hmm. could any tips on how you could give support to women to explore this within themselves and explore their sexuality more within themselves. Mm. I mean, look, I, I literally do this all the time. I'm constantly doing, um, uh, you know, orgasm coaching and things like that. But off, I, I just say to people that um, I don't want anyone to do anything they don't want to do, but often the reason they're not doing it is not really just because they don't want to. It's because there's all this stuff in the way. So mm. I'll kind of explore that. But, you know, you know, there are uh, apps like is it oh my god yes there's an app that you can pay for and there's a whole bunch of people with vulvas who are masturbating and then you literally watch them they masturbate to orgasm and then you can kind of practice on your screen like swiping different ways and 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 really to be honest what that really just does is give you ideas yeah. because I can sit here over and over and give you a million because I'm constantly talking to people and they tell me all sorts of things people come from so many different things right so really you've got to work out what it is and that's about giving yourself some time so sometimes people will say to me oh I don't have enough time like I've tried Naomi I tried for 10 minutes and I'm like do you know that it can take almost sometimes 60 minutes for the internal parts of the clitoris to be so swollen and aroused you know and and they're like oh and and also just so it's a time thing too because if they are parents or a partner and often they have so much about everybody else giving themselves that much time to do something for themselves just seems just, oh, too much. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of things that get in the way. People are kind of like, I can't, you know, I don't want to pleasure myself because maybe in many parts of their lives, they don't allow themselves to feel pleasure. They don't do a lot of that stuff. That's really helpful. And I'll put that um, app actually in the show notes for anyone. Yeah. Listening and yeah. want to look into and- that. And if you do happen to watch porn, I know that if you're looking at like feminist porn or you just Google feminist porn or ethical porn, they're much better at 
because often they've got directors who also have vulvas. Um, so it's coming at it, pardon the pun, from a very different angle. But you'll you'll also see some depictions of of, of play um, with vulvas and stuff. So that might give you an idea. Or also there's erotica, you know, so you can make it up. But people talk through things. And I know since COVID, people have heaps of stuff up. If you go to apps, you just type in things like sexy stories or women's erotica or something like that and you'll find it you, you're just going to find the one that suits you right some things it's, it's very subjective but trying to um, work out what's going to help you feel the most pleasure yeah and I feel like anyone listening to this episode is ready to explore their sexuality a little bit more like mm. I do feel like you'd click on this title and not want to know more so I feel like it's a really really safe way for people to mm-hmm. explore that mm-hmm. And if you need sex toys, that's okay. I'm getting really tired of hearing of other people who are sexologists and now saying, don't use that, don't use that. You're, you know, I'm like, what that does, it, it's, I'm not here to tell you what not to do other than, of course, I'm going to help you not to shame yourself. I'll, I'll be at, at you about that. But if you want to use a sex toy and it's the only way to get your orgasm and you want one, so, so be it. It's, Why would a sexologist like, not want someone to use a sex? Oh, I just heard a few people. I've had some clients recently say that they saw other ones who were like, oh, no, let's just go back to this and throw them out. And, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, even that's not helpful. I, I, I really just want people to find out what works for them. Mm. Okay. And if you need a whole bunch of different things, so be it. Mm. What's your goal? Usually the goal is for people is to feel some pleasure. And if there's another person there or more than one person, you know, to all feel good and have a good time and things like that. So we can do that lots of ways, you know, whereas if your goal literally is I must orgasm with a penis inside me this way, you know, that's a little tougher or the whole simultaneous orgasm, which again, yep, happens for some people. But if that's what you're trying to do, you may end up just trying so much it goes away. It's not as easy as people think it, it is either. Yeah, and I imagine that would make someone feel really unsupported oh. in their journey of exploring this. Like it's not it's not a safe message to convey to someone I don't feel. No, no. It's about being flexible. Stop worrying about what's happening on television because just like any other thing, relationship, depictions of relationships and families, it's, that's not realistic. There's things that might be a little bit similar, but generally that's not what's going on. Heaps, heaps of... Um, People are dealing with a bunch of other things. We live in a very busy world, which kind of expects us to just keep productivity and doing and doing, doing and doing. And it keeps saying, let's do self-care, but they're not really finding there's nowhere for it because they want you to keep producing things. And But all of this then means there's not a lot of time for what I, I kind of like to think of as some sort of leisure, sexual leisure. Mm, I like that sexual leisure. Great. You know? <laughs> um, and you just touched on there, you know, the, something that I've recently learned that there's such a thing as wellness burnout and it's this notion that we have to do all the wellness tasks we have to do self-care practices you know meditation journaling tick all the boxes and and we've succeeded in being well and we're all just running on this vicious cycle of this never-ending fulfillment and feeling like we're failing every week and then we start Monday you know and so there's this thing called wellness burnout and I think Mm. you know sexual health would and exploring our sexuality should come into that and sexual leisure should come into that too because that needs to be a priority but if we don't get to it and you know our days we you beat yourself up today, there's tomorrow and don't yeah. rest in an orgasm today like it's not yeah. the world you know yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to be kinder to ourselves and, you know, and then they kind of, that's because I think to anyone who's in a more longer term relationship, there's this negative sort of thing about, oh, at some point, everybody's, um, you know, the sex isn't going to be as frequent. And I just think, why can't we just go, this is part and parcel of life. 
course. So instead of making it a negative thing, just work on how we can make sure that there's some connection there rather than going, oh, it's just, it's part of that. And, and that's the crappy part. And, and it's, it's talked about quite negatively. Yeah. Um, when you think about realistically, that's hard to, to do, to keep it up like you, again, so many sexual puns, but, you know, be like at the <laughs> beginning, right? Yeah. So <laughs> be kinder to yourself. Yeah. Definitely. You touched on earlier that you were doing some parenting classes mm. and I'd love to know how, how do you feel we go as far as telling children about things like orgasms mm. and just mm. the reproduction system? Look, I know that personally, my, when I used to do lots of these sessions, I think some uh, people were a bit shocked that I would talk about um, the clitoris and things like that because what was happening was people would say to me, oh, yeah, 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 I had a session. And they would tell me quite happily without sort of batting an eyelid really that, you know, yes, they learned about wet dreams, okay? And so what are they called? Nocturnal emissions. But in regards to the penis, and I'm like, why is nobody talking about the clitoris? And uh, that also uh, people with bulbs and vaginas can even have uh, orgasms in their sleep. And they're like, I think people get shocked and it's that thing that stems right back to women's sexuality being shameful and all of that stuff. So whenever mm-hmm. I did sessions, I would, and I would get some interesting comments. So I would always, and I was very, you know, I didn't spend heaps of time, but I would, you know, have the pictures up and I'd say, for anyone who's got a penis, this is what happens. Da, da, da. Then I'd get to the one with a vulva and I'd say, that's your clitoris. And all we know right now is that a clitoris makes you feel really good. And if you touch it in certain ways, or you'll, you'll have an experience called an orgasm. And they were little people. And often with their parents in the room and you could see them going, you know, and often I'd get, I'd get the feedback like, wow, I've never um, had a session like that before, but often they'll say, thank you. And, And I just think, why, why are we so uncomfortable when no, like I said, no one bats an eyelid. And I'm sure you may remember I went to a Catholic school, but I certainly mm-hmm. had some bio, biology stuff, nothing about pleasure, but they mentioned the wet dream and that's it. That's like, all it's like as if it yeah. doesn't exist. And it's like, hang on a second, you're wondering why it's just brushed brushed off and so I would always say if you are going to have me in your room I'm going to say this word Mm. and it's important I think it's important and we're doing people with a vulva and a clitoris a disservice if we just ignore it yes and it creates a safe space for that communication with your kids like I don't know how I would go having that conversation um I do have as I mentioned earlier, two stepdaughters, and I don't feel like that's my place to have that conversation. Mm. Um, but with my own daughter, I just think she's only one. So in my head, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can't even think about that. But that's yeah. a good that But you can just start. Like, like sex ed is right there. Like people think mm-hmm. when I say sex education, you're literally teaching people how to have sex. Mm-hmm. What it is is about just what you can start right from the get-go, naming genitals. And then if, you know, when people, which anyone who's had a kid, I had one too. She asked me about orgasms, I think, when she was about, I don't remember if she was about nine, but she just happened to come into a room and it was on television and they said something. She says, what does that word mean? And I just said, oh, it's this feeling when you're touching your body um, and it feels really nice and da, da, da. And she went, oh, okay, and they just kind of changed the subject. But I feel like if you, why, why are we so worried about that stuff? But also you can just sort of, you know, usually kids will start masturbating at some point. You might sort of, and again, I hate saying bust as if it's something wrong, but you'll see them. You might walk in and they're touching. And so you just, you can just very gently say things without making it a big deal. Like, oh, I noticed you're touching your penis or I noticed you're, t- you're rubbing your clitoris or you're rubbing your vulva. That feels good, right? But we just don't do that at the table or whatever. <laughs> just like you don't pick your nose. You say to your kids, hey, stop picking your nose at the table. Grandma doesn't want to see that. Or, or let, let's not fart at the table. I'm like, okay. So just say, okay, stop rubbing your penis. I know it feels nice. Can we, you do that in your room or something, you know? It's like, why do we make it such a thing? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I'm going to run into that conversation. You will. So it's just sort of kind of working on yourself and knowing that they're children and they have different thoughts and about things. And, you know, we know that there's images of um, babies in the uterus touching their genitals and anyone who's had a baby or been around them you see they soon know what feels good putting their toes in their mouth touching themselves and so it's just about acknowledging that oh that feels good doesn't it but we just don't do that in front of everybody right now it's not okay you know yeah yeah that's a that's a really important takeaway thank you so much for that I've got one last question mm-hmm. what is a non-negotiable self-care or self-love practice that you encourage for individuals in terms of their sexual health I mean, one of the big things I think is just like, first off, working on your own boundaries. Like, what are your boundaries around this? So that then you can set some. And then if you're being sexual with someone else or other people, you can get good at just putting them in place. Like, you know, this is it. This is my bottom line here. I'm not going over that one. Another thing people kind of probably forget is also like, what's your after sex care needs too? So that you know, is there something that'll help you feel good after? Because for a million reasons, people sometimes feel really awful after, guilt, shame, da 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 da, da. Mm. And so I talk to people about, have you even thought about what you need? And, and often people haven't, especially, again, folks with vulvas tend to not, not do that. So I'll ask them, you know, do you want someone to, have, to sit with you or lay with you or whatever for a cuddle? Do you need a cuddle first before you go jumping in the shower or this or that? And so sort of just working through some of that, what might help you in case stuff comes up um and also sti checks of course that's that's something to talk about if you, especially if you're having casual sex and things like that and i think probably another big one is just modeling yourself modeling flexible attitudes and what i mean by that is is like for example if you are a person with a vulva and you're having sex with someone with a penis and they happen to lose an erection that you totally understand that for many people, even though they might be really aroused by you and want to be in that situation, anxiety, stress, medication, da, 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 um, can make erections just not be there, right? That's just part and parcel of having a penis. Totally. And if you're a girl too. Totally. And so I often say to people, but for people with a penis, because it's so obvious um they're often really stressed about it so I talk about back and forth sharing this kind of like oh that's okay so oh yeah you lost your erection okay cool so let's just keep kissing or doing this so it's not such a big deal and also that if one of you needs to pee or someone needs to turn the air conditioner on off you know all of this stuff like who needs a break do you want to have some food let's get a glass of water and start again you if you do that I feel like you're you're coming at this again pardon the pun but where everybody feels safe to talk about that saying a boundary saying by the way I really need this after I don't like it when someone just jumps up and walks away even if you're having perhaps some casual sex and the person's not even staying the night but you might say do you mind if we just have a have a glass of water together after and you know just so that you're you've got this sort of back and forth dialogue going on where everyone feels okay to say something Mm, it makes it really healthy that way too for you totally. yeah. yeah yeah totally like that that's really good well thank you so much for coming on the show today I really appreciate your time I know that you're a busy gal but um for people that might want to connect with you Naomi where are they going to find you so I'm on Instagram just as Australian sexologist and I do do lots of education there but often it's from a very comic uh, comical perspective I use a bit of comedy <laughs> there um I tend to be like that but I'm fairly like that in my other space but my website if you just google my name you'll find my website website if you want to book her online or face-to-face appointment amazing well thank you thank you i really appreciate it no worries thanks
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.